You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker back at you with another interactive class out of the secret library of the Connected Universe. Tonight, we are going to be covering Stargates. It's going to be a lot of material from Egypt, of course, because I've, I've been there a few times now and have explored it extensively. So there's going to be a lot of that. We are also going to cover some other uh, areas from the globe as well. So I see some people are already down there in the chat. Jill Nipchinski's in the house. Pindora Farms. Great to see you down there, Lisa. Uh, Tom McNicholas is here. Stacy Comiskey. Uh, so it's great to see some familiar faces uh, down there as well. So, uh, all right. Let's go ahead and, uh, well, you know, I got the, the beginning intro stuff that I have to do. Of course, I have to let those know that are listening to the podcast version later to, uh, you know, please go ahead and join us live here every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Many of us are joining us on the public uh, YouTube side, but the members of the Connected Universe Portal, of course, get the after show as well we go about another uh, 20 minutes gone as long as a half an hour before uh tonight we do have some extra stuff behind the scenes this evening so uh see jason thompson is here as well great to see you so do also want to uh point out since we are talking about egypt here that we do have the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour coming April 16th to the 28th. I know this, I need to update this one. <laughs> uh, the first day of the tour is the 17th, but on the 16th, we have a uh, opening dinner. So I need to change that date there on that particular banner. Uh, 16th to the 28th of April. You can just go to connectuniverseportal.com or my personal website, mikerickstecker.com. You can find tour information there. All right, so we did have a class question for this evening. What do you believe is at the other end of an active Stargate? So if you guys want to toss some uh, some ideas down there in the chat, that would be wonderful. Uh, Jen, back on the uh, secret Facebook page, said Border Patrol of Sorts, uh, which, you know would not be all too shocking if somebody if somebody or something comes through the stargate yeah they might want to uh, check to see who's coming through and whether or not they are a friend or foe so we are going to get into exactly uh you know what those stargates are wendy portman is in the house as well great to see you down there wendy 
All right. So yeah, let's get to that question. What exactly is a Stargate? This is something we did talk about this past weekend at the Connecting the Universe, the event. And so we are we are familiar with this. Uh, this is from uh, the movies. Actually, I don't know if this one is from the movie or if it's from the television show. Uh, but basically, you know, we are familiar with uh, the Stargate science fiction where you know, basically they passed through the Stargate and into a, another world that looked uh, a lot like Egypt. Now that was science fiction, although a real Stargate may be able to take us there. You know, a Stargate is basically uh, a doorway. It's a gateway, uh, hence the word gate. Uh, but essentially harnessing the power of a portal or a wormhole to take us to some other place that could be somewhere else in the cosmos, could be somewhere else in the universe, could be to another dimension, could be to another place in time, or it could even be somewhere else here on Earth. And when we start to see similarities between different cultures, it and they weren't supposed to have had contact with each other for thousands and thousands of years, makes you wonder how did they have contact with each other because of all these different similarities that they had. Were they using some sort of uh, Stargate or portal technology? It's quite possible. It's interesting, we start to see some of this iconography uh, in, in our modern world. You know, China has this thing called the Ring of Life, uh, which it, it does kind of look like the Stargate that we are uh, familiar with. This is in Fushun, China. It's uh, about 515 feet high. That's a pretty tall ring. That's pretty cool lit up at night. Uh, but it was built as a tourist attraction since Fushun is the uh, only, quote unquote, only has 1.3 million people. It's their 75th largest city. Can you believe that? And that's 2012 numbers that uh, their 75th largest city has 1.3 million people. That's a lot of people. 3,000 tons of steel in this thing but it's not really a stargate it just kind of it, it looks a lot like that just on a much bigger scale uh but you know pretty cool i, I might want to go see that one day uh almost reminiscent of the gateway arch <clears throat> but like a full circle instead of just you know, the arch so that's you know okay that's a, a building we've created here or a monument of sorts well when we talk about portals, they they do exist. This is something that we have actually found in nature. And NASA, a little over 10 years ago now, has admitted to that these actually exist uh, out in space. They call them X points. Those of you that were at uh, Connecting the Universe event will kind of remember some of this stuff from the beginning of my presentation. Uh, so the X point basically is where the Earth's uh, magnetic shield hits the solar wind. It's, it's, that, it's that meeting point of the two. And what's going on here, and we've sent up satellites to observe this and study this and this sort of thing. We don't have a lot of concrete answers as of yet other than, okay, these, these portals are opening. And another, another name would be electron diffusion uh, regions outside of Earth because basically what's going on is like, you know, protons and electrons, these sorts of things 
are passing through these portals, they're, we don't really see them. We are just detecting them. They are invisible. They're unstable. They're elusive. They open and close without warning dozens of times each day. They can, they can grow to magnificent widths. They can be really small. They can open for a couple seconds. They can open for several minutes. And again, varying sizes. There's no, there's no pattern to this. Like I said, we, we've sent up satellites. We're studying it. We don't really have a grasp as to, okay, why did this one open up really large? Why did this one stay open for three minutes? We're, we're trying to figure that out. And basically what's going on here is the uh, it allows the solar wind to access the earth quicker. So when we got hit with that mass coronal ejection the other day, uh, and you know, we saw all these wonderful auroras and, and all that stuff. Well, for one, the Earth's magnetic shield is protecting us from a lot of that. But, you know, depending on, you know, if there was a large portal around that uh, X point at that time, you know, it could have allowed a lot more of that in here faster. Or if it was smaller and not even open at the time, it could have helped prevent that. Uh there were reports of a lot of really great auroras uh, the other day. So I'm going to guess that it allowed some of that through, but not enough to, because some of these mass coronal ejections can wipe out power grids. And as far as I know, that didn't happen unless somebody down there in the chat wants to, uh, to correct me at all. So, and uh, yeah, this question here, are there still active stargates? We're going to, we're going to get to that. So, all right. So when we talk about the stargates that we want to discuss, what we're really talking about is a wormhole. And this is generally what we think of when we think of wormhole. We see this type of, uh, this graphic used in, well, the movie Stargate. Uh, we've seen it used in contact when you uh, crank up the hyperdrive in Star Wars. Zoom, they go through uh, what pretty much looks like a, a wormhole. And so stargates would be on either side of this. You know, the, the gateway would be essentially like a controlled wormhole, one that's not naturally occurring, but one that we are actually controlling. So when we talk wormhole, okay, what are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking about the Einstein-Rosen bridge. So the idea of the Einstein-Rosen bridge, this is Albert Einstein, Nathan Rosen, using general uh, theory of relativity. If you're trying to get from one point in the universe to another you know, that are light years apart, well, you're not going to get there with conventional Newtonian physics, you know, basically getting into a rocket ship and propelling yourself there. It's going to take too long, at least for humans. You know, our, our lifespan is not long enough to get from point A to point B. Uh, we'd run out of resources, oxygen. We just won't live long enough, even if we had the amount of, of resources to, to actually get there. So you think uh, back to the Voyager uh, satellites that we sent out. Well, that those were almost 50 years ago now. And so what they crossed just outside of 
the uh, the solar system a handful of years back. Still have contact with them. Uh, so we're still getting some information from them. But you know, it took them like 40 years to get there. And they're just edging outside the solar system. Well, that that's a lifetime. So it takes too long just to get outside the solar system with our you know, current technology. These days, we might be out, be able to get out there a little bit faster. You know, it took us, uh, it was a little bit quicker for us to get out to the Pluto when we made that trip. Uh, but uh, it's still not quick enough to get light years across the, the galaxy. Or and if you want to go out to another galaxy, that's going to be even longer. So, again, looking at the einstein rosen Bridge, you're basically folding space and time. If you had the technology to be able to fold space and time to connect those two points together and then the distance between those two points which would be much closer is in your bridge and you use the wormhole to connect those together so again the idea of the stargate is this is this is a bridge that's been created it's we are controlling that access point to the wormhole now we are in the lab developing wormholes. This was a paper that was released last year, right around this time. Um, it was into November, 2022. Uh, the article, and I, uh, when I showed this to uh, the Connecting the Universe, the, the event the other day at the Oliver House in Middleborough, Massachusetts, uh, kind of, you, you saw the date under it. It was December 1, 2022 for the, the article. I was like, oh yeah, this was really just recently here. Uh, almost exactly a year ago. And basically what they've done, it's on the quantum level, but they have developed a, what they're calling a wormhole. And, you know, it's two essentially small black holes that they have connected together and they have sent the message back and forth. Again, very, very small. Reporters were asking, can you send a dog through that sort of thing? Scientists are kind of laughing. I don't know, this is small. And I kind of laugh at it and say, why are we going to send a dog through? Maybe send a probe through first or whatever. But it's it's so small, they can't even get a probe through right now. It's just a message. But that's the beginning. That's the beginning of going on to bigger things. But this may be technology that we've already had, that we are rediscovering. Although I think the ancients had different methodologies to be able to access them and use them. So, all right. Said that we were going to cover a lot in Egypt, and that's because we see Stargate symbolism all over Egypt. It really is. And so that's why we have the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour, again, coming up in February. It's our second one uh, that we're doing. We're doing this on an annual basis. And, uh, you know, I have to I have to credit Mohammed Ibrahim, who's our tour guide for this. He's, well, we'll get into the symbolism, but... Um, you know, he's really the one that, I mean, I already believed in Stargates anyways. I already knew that we had Stargates that existed. But he's really shown me where they are at. And then together we have discovered even more. And uh, and I have to even say with, uh, with Jen, we did like a scavenger hunt while we were there last time. And Jennifer found all kinds of symbolism all over the place where we hadn't even seen before. So, um I'm going to play this clip from Abydos. 
Those that have been members of the portal for a while uh, will recall um, a nice chunk of this clip. This is what I would call the extended version of it, in which we get into like the raising of the Jed pillar as well, and also uh, the the idea of the, uh, uh, the the DNA helix, the Kundalini, all that. So this is a little bit of a longer clip. I'm going to have several uh, video clips here throughout. This is just going to be the longest one that we have, uh, almost four minutes here, but I think you'll find it interesting. So yesterday, we have seen the world star gate in Karnak Temple. Now we will see the world star gate in Abydos Temple. Sab, and Sab means a star and the simple gate. And in the same way, star gate, star gate, so if this was just a title, why we don't see it everywhere next to the name of the king? Why in certain places? Because this is the Stargate, not the other location. So yeah, you've got the Stargates here, and what they're telling you the function of this, and like you're explaining to people with Osiris, and here is a guy that's this depiction of ascension, and what's the, the importance of that? But look over here too, you see that raising of the dejectors. The story says Uzir was dead. When you uh, think about dead person, you think about what kind of uh, shape. A dead person is sleeping on the ground. So his backbone and the spine will be flat above the ground, right? So Uzir is going to rise from the dead land. And this is the annual celebration of the priest course, and the king will be part of it, to put the, the pillar upright, and that is, will be in July to be the, something like the Egyptian Christmas. They're going to say, announce that Uzir is alive. So this is the midway of erecting the pillar or the backbone of Uzir. What is the degree? I didn't measure this in a perfect way, but I think it will be 23 degrees. 23 degrees is what is the axis of our planet. Yes, Earth uh, angle. Because Earth is not, the, the North Pole and the South Pole are not vertical. It is 23, I think, 0.5 degrees. So it is the same degree here. And then when we reach this uh, perfect uh, angle, then we will have north and south will be perfectly aligned to uh, or will be vertical angle and this will be a beginning of a new cycle of life, a beginning of new civilization, beginning of new energies and powers. So when this will be upright like this, we will have what we call it the second scepter. Sikkim again is lotus, huge lotus flower with the giant beam of energy comes out from that lotus. But this energy is not blind. Again, this energy can see. So it is uh, energy with awareness. You think about this, when we talk about the Mufkuts, when we talk about that material we talked about, if you have a Kundalini awakening, mm -hmm. if you look at DNA, really quickly, what do you see when you see DNA? You see the double helixes, and they have coils around them. So your DNA is an antenna. You have the windings for distance. It has everything on that that looks very similar to this. So when this comes up, 
And when you have this reawakening of the Kundalini, the energy, just like Muhammad said with the lotus, what is it doing on your crown chakra? Mm -hmm. It's expanding your consciousness, you're regenerating, you're reawakening. So keep this in mind, what Muhammad just told you, when you're in the crypts of Dindara and you see the so-called light bulb blip, this is going to be part of the key to decoding it. All right, like I said, it's a little bit of a uh, longer clip there, but that was from the first time I, I went to Egypt. I wanted uh, you know, to let Mohammed there and Johnny coming in at the end, Johnny Enoch, uh, to you know, kind of explain the symbolism that we're seeing right there outside the Stargates. They're talking about the raising of that energy. What's interesting with the with the Jed pillars there. A lot of people speculate that the Jed Pillars may have been some sort of Tesla coil. We don't have any remnants whatsoever of any of these Jed Pillars, at least that we know publicly. Are they in the hands of private collectors? We've gone down that road before. We have uh, seen where private collectors have uh, taken things into uh, their own custody. So it's possible that if any of the Jed Pillars survived, that some of these collectors may have them. Now, we do see you know, little trinkets, and these are in the museums and what have you, the, the little trinkets of the Jed Pillars. We see them in depictions all over the walls, but the actual functioning Jed Pillar itself, we do not have any of them, like I said, at least publicly that, that we are aware of. But this was very, very important to the Egyptians, and we see this right there by the stargates at Abydos. So... Uh, David Applegren, hello from Sweden. Hello to you as well. Great that you are joining us from Sweden. Uh, Jen is in the house. Uh, Tom is asking, what do you think happens when you go through a Stargate? Do we digitize or just pull through? Uh, interesting. It, there's a lot of different depictions of you know, what happens going through a Stargate. The, the movie Stargate showed kind of, okay, you're walking through water and then kind of you digitize and then you just see the tunnel. Um, Contact had, uh, you know, that that ball that she was in as she was kind of zipping around. Um, we don't really know how, what that looks like. Uh, but, you know, considering everything's kind of light and energy, do we just turn it into some sort of light form and zip across? That's possible. So, and then this one that uh, Pandora Farms had asked earlier, are there still active stargates and where? Well, since we started talking about Egypt, I will go ahead and um, and mention, if you watched the uh, Gaia episode that was just released here a few uh, weeks ago, the Beyond Belief with George Norrie on Gaia TV, where um, I didn't want to duplicate everything precisely from that and just you know, redo it here. You know, I want to encourage people to to go watch that. I do have the link down in the description on uh, on YouTube. And then when this gets uploaded as a podcast, I'll also put it in uh, the description there. But in that, we do talk about Egypt's Area 51, which may actually have rumors and talk have been filtering out of there. I, it's on a military base. So, uh, you know, I've not seen it for myself. But stories of come out of there, that they do actually have a working Stargate there. We, we cover that in that particular uh, episode on Beyond Belief with George Norrie. So it's, it's called Egypt's Area 51, Stargates and Wormholes, for reference. So, all right, so what did we see here when uh, Muhammad first started talking? Well, he was pointing at some symbolism that was on the walls there, 
as we are walking into that particular room at this is the Temple of Seti at Abydos. And this is essentially what we are looking at here. Now, you would read this from uh, right to left. And the reason why is because you, you see the figure there in the cartouche that's looking to the right. That means that you start reading from the right. And that's that's what tells you which direction to read. Uh, the ancient Egyptians wrote in all kinds of different directions. And that was your reference for which direction to read it. So reading this from left to right, the folded uh, cloth there is the letter S. And then you have right next to it, the determinative, which is the star. Then you have the foot, which is a B. And then you have the determinative, which is the gate. So you, the two determinatives basically show you star gate. And the two letters there uh, basically tell you what the word is. Now, okay, you're saying, what's SB? Well, ancient Egyptians didn't have vowels. Uh, later, when like the Greeks came in, you know, they came up with with uh, O and some other things that they threw in there. But um, you know, the original ancient Egyptian language, no vowels. So SB, we believe it was pronounced Saba. It's actually the name of uh, Mohammed's uh, tour companies, Saba Tours, S A B A. And so here's uh, he and I right there pointing at the uh, Stargate symbols right there. Uh, right outside those rooms there. And you can see it's on either side of the doorway. And we see that a lot throughout Egypt, that uh, you, you see them on uh, through these doorways and in other areas. And if it's on one side, it is almost always on the other. I say almost always, uh, because there are other cases in which, you know, it might be, uh, you know, some sort of text describing you know, maybe it's a story or describing the Stargate and what have you. Now, the other the other symbol next to it, that's the cartouche for Seti the first. Uh was, you know, one of the kings. He was the uh father of the famous Ramses II. And basically what this is saying is that he's the one that has dominion over this particular Stargate. Um, other ways that we can uh that they wrote the symbolism, a couple different ways. And we'll we'll see a few here. Uh this is another way. And uh, this is in some text there on one of the walls at Abydos. But, you know, it's very, very similar. And then you have, you know, the three uh, lines under there. So this is basically telling us that there are, you know, star gates. This is plural. Uh, and there are three of them. Now, that's not the only room of stargates there. So when we were... Uh, Looking around this time, one of our uh, one of those on the tour with us, Will, had noticed in a back room in which I've been able to capture some really interesting uh, photos before with with light. And here, let me load this up for some reason. I didn't upload this particular one, or maybe it did, and it just you know got lost. So. This room here, which I actually use for the artwork for the Stargates of Ancient Egypt Tour 2, uh, it's a wonderful room because you can capture the light like that uh, through the skylight. Uh, it's, it's fun to really kind of play around with that. But that's in these other back rooms here. So that particular one was the room on the, uh, on the right there. But what's interesting about this particular room is it talks about 
the white cakes that were ingested before you walk into the Stargate. Now, for a long time, these were called mufkuts. And Mohammed always had a problem with that because he's like, well, mufkuts means turquoise. So I don't understand. But you would see it there when they were talking about these white cakes. So he was like, I don't understand you know, why they're talking about turquoise when they're talking about these white cakes. This does not make sense. So everybody kept calling them mufkuts. So he kind of dove into it a little bit deeper to try to figure out, okay, what in the world's going on here with this? Um, and then we'll talk about you know, why they were ingesting them uh, after this clip. This is what we call it, the mufkut. Or one Johnny called it the mufkut. So I started to, as, as I told you earlier, I never deny any story 100%, even if I am not convinced. But sometimes I don't have time to uh, search and to uh, find the truth. But we were uh, together, me and Johnny, I don't remember when, and suddenly I realized the writings under that work here. So you can see, again, this is what, this is the, the symbol called Mafka, and this symbol is called Chait. Hedget Chait, white pink. White cake, and Johnny was talking about white gold, okay? So how you combine between the two stones, white cake and white gold. So, okay, white, we, we have now similar things. What about cake and gold? They say that they eat the white gold to have these powers like natives. So it could be white cake. It's only a different way to call it, okay? But, so I agree about the story. I agree with Johnny now 100%, except the name. Look, Mufkut's still wrong. Didn't but you say Mufkut is turquoise? Turquoise. Yeah. So, for sure turquoise. But I know why it is called Mufkut now. Because most of the white shahid or the white powder was found in Mufkut land. In ah, okay. In, in the turquoise land. That's why it got this name. So that's where it's from. Yes, Okay. Exactly. Okay, but it is shahid, that way. So what should we actually call the white powder cakes? Shait. Shait? Yes. Okay. Exactly the right name. Okay, there we go. So instead of calling them mufkuts, these white gold powder cakes are shait. They came from mufkut land, which is basically the land where they got the turquoise. So this monotonic white gold that they made these powdered cakes with were also found there in the same area, which, you know, makes sense. A lot of times when you find, you know, one sort of precious mineral, you find others in that area too. Some of these things are, are certainly interrelated. Now, okay, then the question is, what, why are they ingesting these to, uh, you know, to enter into what we're calling these stargates? Well, monatomic white gold has some really, really interesting properties to it. And so when we talk about, you know, monotonic, basically we're talking, you know, single atom gold. So it's kind of like breaking uh, gold down to its, you know, base components. And uh, it, it comes as a powder. We don't usually think of gold as a powder. You know, we're used to, you know, jewelry and, and things like that uh, when, when we think about gold. So this is, you know, a, a really a different type of gold. Yeah. And, you know, we see other types of minerals and, and elements have other forms as well. Like when we talk diamonds, well, 
you know, there's different kinds of, of diamonds too. Like there's black diamond and, uh, you know, diamonds that we would, you know, industrial type diamonds that we might use on like a diamond tip saw and things like this, not just the ones that, you know, we have in our jewelry, even though when we think diamond, that's what we always think about. So there's other forms of some of these different elements and minerals. But when we talk about this, we have to talk about uh, David Hudson, because back in the 80s, um, he, he basically stumbled across all of this. He's what you'd call an inadvertent alchemist. He, like I said, he stumbled into all of this. And he was uh, trying to comprehend the anomalous nature of soil on his property, which was uh, out in Arizona. I couldn't tell you exactly where. And he discovered what we'd call ORME or orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but um, he basically in the 1980s began producing this monatomic white gold powder based off of uh, the, the soil and the elements that were there on his property. And he noticed some very, very strange characteristics, such as when uh, you would place the gold in a pan, the pan ended up weighing less than with the powder in it than when you know when the pan was empty so this is like anti-gravity also when you heat up the material to about 70 degrees it would disappear and what they would do is then okay now it disappeared but it's supposed to be in the pan and other we have other things that you know disappear when you heat it up to certain temperatures uh, or you know suddenly it seemingly goes invisible or um will turn clear you know, that sort of thing um you know depending on heat or cold on different elements, they have, you know, different properties. But um, you can still manipulate it. So in other words, what they would do with the monatomic white gold is they would heat it up and then stir, okay, it turned invisible, but it should still be in there even though we can't see it. They would stir it up with a spatula. It'd cool it back down. Well, when you stir it, that should have changed the arrangement of it, right? No, when it cooled down, it appeared exactly as it had before. So it wasn't physically, it couldn't physically be manipulated in that state. It led them to believe, okay, or at least ask the question, is that white powder gold even still in there at all? Or did it transport maybe to some other dimension or something like this? So then, okay, imagine ingesting that, right? Uh, your your body's, you know, 98.6 degrees. This thing would had these strange disappearing properties at 70. Well, <laughs> what's going to happen to you when you ingest it? Do you disappear? So, and if it was moving into some other dimension, is this how they activated the Stargate? Is this how your body was able to transport through the Stargate? You ingest this and boom, off you go somewhere. Possibly. Possibly. So I do have a, uh, a video clip here from David Hudson. Uh, this is from the Ormus conference back in 2011. He did patent uh, his solution to making this uh, monatomic white gold. And uh, I'm going to let him talk about this for a little over a minute. And listen carefully because there are some things here that he talks about that I talk about in my book travels through time. My material loses four ninths of its weight and weighs five ninths of the beginning weight of the metal. So where did the four ninths go? 
It's still there. It's just not in these three dimensions. Now, this is heavy, people. It's very heavy. But it also is telling us what gravity is. And remember, when you control gravity, you control space-time. When you know what gravity is, you're working with space-time. Now, if you could shrink yourself down to the size of an atom and literally walk inside the atom and be in there with the electrons buzzing around outside and the neutron, the proton right here beside you, you'll be in the world of the quanta. And in that world, there is no time as we understand it. It's only when we come up in the macro world, in our three-dimensional world out here, that time is invented by mankind to describe change. Water runs downstream at miles per hour or feet per second. You get old in years. Everything happens in time. But way down there in the world of the quanta, there is no time. Ah, he's talking about time doesn't exist. So it's really kind of interesting that in his conversation here about the monatomic white gold, that uh, the properties that it has is you know, basically you know defying you know space and time, and so that's why I've started going down the road here. Okay, when we're accessing these stargates, you know, we've always had this idea, this notion that is taking us to some other place in the universe and of course the movie's done a lot for that where you know we went from uh earth to whatever this uh desert planet was across the universe but maybe it's actually able to take us to another point in time if by ingesting this it defies self like i said is that actually moving to another dimension? Because to uh, freely move about in time, you would have to be in one of those dimensions above it, time being on the fourth dimension, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, on up to 10. Um, they would have free access to all time. So is this monatomic white gold or the interaction with it taking you to another dimension outside of time? I have to start asking the, the question here. So I did see, uh, where's the question? Go back into the comments here. And, uh, okay, so the question about the hieroglyphs. Looks like the hieroglyphs were originally made of clay, so smoothly laid on top of the granite. Um, yeah, uh, like a type of clay, a type of plaster, this sort of thing could be put on top of the stone. Uh, most of that temple there was made of limestone. Uh, but you also had granite. Every temple, I'll say this, um, every temple would have a granite threshold. So the idea that as you're passing uh, across the granite, it's clearing your energy so that you uh, so that you come into the temple fresh with good energy. So every temple has that. Uh, depending on the temple itself, many of them were made of limestone with uh, some aspects of that, that are granite. Some, yeah, had a lot more granite going on. Uh, SETI is more, more limestone, though, which is still, though, a, a very, very good conductive stone. Um, you know, you see that combination of limestone and granite. Now, granite is going to be even more conductive, but limestone uh, still has a, a good quartz content as well. 
So, okay. Um, moving on from, we've spent a lot of time here at Abydos. We're already pretty well into this, but we have we have some more places to venture here too. I do want to quickly, uh, we're just going to uh, very quickly go over uh, Dindara just because this was a cool discovery. I kind of like showing it off. I mentioned that you know we are still discovering other uh, Stargates. Uh, to, to see some of the other ones, like uh, like Jennifer finding the ones at uh, uh, Karnak, uh, that's in the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour recap that I posted. I guess it would have been in the spring, so you can check that one out. But um, I got to show the the one from Dendara. Back again at the Temple of Hathor in Dendara. This is the sky, and this is Earth. This shape is what we call it, V. Now we can see five stars and that simple jet in the middle. So that is V with five stars. Different samples, many stars now, like in 0.48. I think this man also, but unfortunately, we didn't see this one. Oh, oh, this is too much. It keeps going. Right, and the other one. See, yeah, we didn't see this before. They're on the other side. Yeah, one with nine stars out here. It has nine. Actually, this here is also Stargate. Look at that. Right there. A little symbol right there. Oh, we got more over here. We made good discovery, my friend. Absolutely. Okay, and so those there were actually carved. Those are carved right into the stone. Uh, so since we're kind of talking about carving, these are a, a different type of symbolism for Stargate. We, we see various kinds uh, throughout Egypt. There's uh, you know, there's the ones that we usually see. This is the most common, really, but we do see other forms of So the one there outside the, uh, the Stargate rooms at Abydos, that's really the most common. We see those in many, many of the temples uh, throughout Egypt. But then this is kind of like a, a newer form that we saw, saw there in, uh, in Dendara. This is on the roof. Now, Mohammed had seen this before, and you know he didn't know it wrapped around. So as we were walking around, we started noticing, oh, wait, no, this, this goes all over the walls, goes outside the walls, you know, inside the windows, and just, yeah. So it was kind of, I'll, I'll say this, he had discovered this symbolism there, and then together we discovered, oh, there is even more of it here than, than he previously thought. And so what we're doing is, uh, we're gathering more information about this to be able to interpret what is actually going on here because there's uh, different symbols within the gates. There's uh, different numbers of stars above the gates. So we're trying to determine what exactly uh, all of that means. So I, I'm thinking this is probably going to be a little bit of a longer show today, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys will quite enjoy. So uh, Jill's asking, Mike, do you read hieroglyphs? Um, some, I, I would not say I am fluent in hieroglyphs. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did start taking a, a course there uh, a while back and I just got busy and didn't keep up with it. 
but um, but I can read some. I have some books on on uh, how to read hieroglyphs. Of course, I've learned a lot just from, uh, you know, of course, going to Egypt and seeing it, and then you know talking with Muhammad and and all of that. Um, so I've I've picked up uh, quite a bit here. Uh, the Music Lounge says this is very interesting, kind of like the movie Lucy. I really like that movie. Uh, that yeah, because what ends up now she was being used as a mule for the. Uh, for the basically drugs that they had uh, come up with. And when it entered into her bloodstream, it just, you know, took her to these other levels that that was an interesting movie. I like that one. Um, and then Pandora has anyone tested David's theory and just the powder and attempted to go through a Stargate uh, that I don't know. Now you can go online and find people selling monatomic white gold. But the question always becomes, is, is it authentic? Because there's always, you know, people trying to sell you snake oil online, right? And they'll put in the disclaimer, you know, does not guarantee X, Y, Z. Um, the, but the one that is patented is uh, David Hudson. And he's become, from my understanding, he's become uh, a bit reclusive here in his later years. That uh, that video that we showed was from you know, 12 years ago, and he was uh, he was already getting up there. So it's a good question. I, I would like to, I would actually like to try that. Jen is going to be like, what are you talking about? Why would you try it? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. It's something that I'll test the waters a little bit, see what happens. You know, I guess I do talk about this a lot. Uh, Jason Thompson, if an active Stargate was accessible, is it a one-way trip? Are there any clues that would help determine destination return? Um, well, you know, a lot of like, uh, like the Temple of Dendara, uh, Temple of Hathor. You see a lot of symbolism on the ceilings of uh, traveling through the stars. Now, and, and then that's where you also had the um, Dendara Zodiac in one of the other rooms there on the ceiling. So is that your guide to where the Stargates would take you? Again, we're not sure. Uh, it's, you know, it's possible that, yes, we could be able to have an idea of where we were going in that particular Stargate. We're going to see here Elephantine Island, uh, where that one may have been taking people. And we don't know yet what's on the other side, right? That was kind of the question that we were, you know, throughout at the very beginning, you know, does it take us to somewhere else across the cosmos, another dimension, somewhere else on earth, another point in time? You know, that, again, we're not sure of. And, of course, once we're there, how do we get back? You know, that's even even with the movie, that's the one one of the things that uh, they were wondering, how do we get back once we're on the other side? They saw a little clip and uh, James Spader's character is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can get I can get us back. And then got over there. I was like, oh, I don't have all the information I need. Oops. <laughs> so. um <laughs> yeah, there's Jen, dude, you're killing me. I know. I'll try it. And she's like, oh my God, you're going to poison yourself or something. Yeah, I'll be fine. All right. More ground to cover. We're not even through Egypt yet. We have other stuff to talk about. Um, so I did want to, uh, okay, Atlantis. 
Um, I'm not going to get into all of the Atlanta stuff. I have a whole separate, and you can find it here on uh, on the YouTube channel, the Mike Ricksecker YouTube channel, my Egypt and Atlantis connection. But I do want to mention it here um, because I do believe in this artist's representation here, I think is great, where they're showing uh, the temple in the middle of Atlantis, and you see this beam of light with some sort of pod or something like that uh, in the middle, as if it's beaming something uh, up and down the temple. Is that you know a representation of a Stargate? Now, of course, just because an artist drew that doesn't mean that that was the truth. But you know, I do believe that those uh, pre-Diluvian peoples, basically the ones that you know invented this technology, and uh, you know what we have is kind of the remnants of that. And maybe some of those uh, dynastic Egyptians figured out how to use it. And, and that's uh, you know where those stargates came from. But I posed this question to uh, Johnny one time years ago. It was just before we had even met and gone to Egypt together and all that of, um, okay, did the Atlanteans have stargate technology? Now, we know that the ancients knew about this type of energy. They were taking these giant stones, you know, granite blocks that are you know, more than half quartz. Quartz is something that can access this energy. Perhaps Atlantis being built the way it was with these giant blocks, with, like the ancients were using, perhaps it was accessing this on a massive scale, all of this energy, tapping straight down into it. And of course, I had to run my crazy idea by somebody else too. So recently here on the Edge of the Rabbit Hole live stream show on the Edge of the Rabbit Hole channel, we had on the amazing Johnny Enoch. He's a researcher of esoterica, lost civilizations, consciousness, folklore, all different kinds of fantastic information. And one of my co-stars on the Travel Channel show, The Alaska Triangle. Knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy. And so I asked him this very question. And here was his response. You know, hypothetical question here. Do you think it could be possible that perhaps Atlantis was a giant portal? I believe that, uh, well, first of all, that's a very good question and thank you for asking it. I think that Atlantis has been hypothesized to be a lot of things. Now we find an exact replica of this particular story that's on the wall uh, over at the Edfu Temple of Egypt. And what's really interesting about this if you look at this seafaring people that are all on the wall, we see right above them that there is a serpent coming down from the heavens and destroying them. The replica of the story. Now, if the serpent represents energy, could it be that they were experimenting with a sort of geomagnetic energy using these fields and these grids we were talking about? And they were experimenting with these obelisks. Do I believe they had portals? Do I believe this was part of what we call Atlantis? Absolutely they did. In fact, we have it in plain sight, my friend. It says in these areas that these are stargates. All right. I think I'm probably going to skip the Edfu video. Um, it's, I didn't upload it. It would take a little while to upload anyway, and we're already kind of uh, running out of time. But I do want to show you that, uh, yes, back there uh, at uh, the Edfu Temple, that there was the uh, Stargate symbolism, which we see here. 
Uh, it's right in the middle. So this one, again, a little bit different. You have the gate with the star above it. Now, on the walls of Edfu, this is a little bit of an aside. And I have pointed this out before when we get into the Egypt Atlantis uh, aspect of the whole thing. Uh, this is basically the survivors of a great cataclysm, which would have gotten explained in that video if I, if I would have played it. And this is all over the walls there. Now, what are we exactly looking at here? Well, the Edfu text, and this is from the mythical origin of the Egyptian temple, E-A-E -E Raymond, Eve Raymond. So she had done an extensive study and translation of the, of the material there at Edfu, everything that's on the walls. I'm trying to get a hold of that book. It's out of print. It was uh, printed back in the 1960s or published back in the 1960s. Um, put it on my Christmas list or something, but I haven't been able to get a hold of it yet. But basically, Edfu text, uh, the Edfu text describe an area in which the gods of Egypt or the Netters lived on a sacred island known as the homeland of the primeval ones. And that's actually... Uh, important to note that that is what the Edfu texts say, the primeval ones. Because when we look back at at the story of Atlantis written by Plato, some of it's in the Timaeus, most of the stories in the Critias. And in that, and I'll just read this quote here straight. This is straight from Plato in the Critias. Also in the center of the island at a distance of about 50 stadia, there was a mountain, not very high on any side. In this mountain, there dwelt one of the earth-born primeval men of that country, whose name was Evanor. So, now we believe that, you know, the Edfu texts in Plato's, or this is, you know, traditionalist, you know, Plato's text and what was written there at Edfu were done separately, two different things according to traditionalists where, you know, others like myself believe that the story of Atlantis that uh, Plato has, we do know that it came from Solon. Well, Solon had visited Egypt, uh, the Temple of Sais, where he got the Atlantis story from. And one of the controversies is, you know, is the story that's there at Edfu, is it remnants of that story that Solon got from the Temple of Sais? Are we looking at the same thing, the story of Atlantis? I say yes. Many others say yes. Traditionalists say no. But yeah, we're talking, we're using the same terminology, the primeval ones. And uh, in, in Plato's work, it's this guy's a pri primeval man. He's a primeval one. So there we go. All right. Uh, moving on, one last clip here uh, from, uh, this is from Elephantine Island. And this one's kind of important. It's going to segue us into the next little bit. Yeah, like I said, we're going to be a little bit longer tonight. We're standing in Elephantine Island here in Egypt on the Nile around Aswan. And behind me is an alleged stargate. Here's a gate that was on some kind of energy grid where we have this whole island made of rose granite that's resonating with this kind of energy. And it's almost as if during the cataclysm, something was triggered on this grid or 
this area where the core just sort of exploded and the whole place just was decimated. This take a look at this. When you look up at this thing, it's been pieced together, but something came through here that was so powerful that it blew the whole place to pieces. I mean, we see all kinds of magnificent structures made of granite over there. Now, again, why is that significant? Well, rose granite and granite are contained with silica, which is where we get silicon microchips from, which are a great insulator and conductor of electromagnetic energy. And of course, when we see why that's important to this place, it was literally loaded with energy. Lastly, one of the kings who was obsessed with stargates and actually had it in front of his names was Tutmosis III. And of course, we see his temple and his fingerprint right next to this site. My question is not how they made it, but how it was destroyed this way. And, and this is not, wasn't the only shrine. We had at least 10 or me, that is another one there. Okay, that is part of it, of another piece. So we have at least 10 shrines. So what was the reason for this destruction? No way to claim it is a group of people came and knocked down the place. No way, especially this piece. From the, the shape of this piece, it seemed that something happened here at the center. And with the strong wave, this piece was falling to the backside. Yeah, so that was the extended clip that uh, we played on Gaia. And the, the extended part of it there is with uh, Mohammed talking about what happened there with, uh, with the temple. And when you look at the ruins of that area from here, okay, the, the Stargate is off to the left. Dandy, now those are just blocks stacked on top of each other. And something blew through that, knocked over this entire temple. You know, you have this massive piece of granite here, this what we uh, call a shrine uh, that's knocked over. Everything's blown apart, but yet that gate is still standing. So it's like something blew back over uh, the temple and then essentially closed the gate. What's interesting is just down the hill from that is another temple that's still standing. Within that temple, you have this figure here. Now this figure, look at what he's wearing. That's not a type of headdress that Egyptians would wear. This is more of something that you would see like the ancient Mayans wearing. And actually this particular block is uh, is in the Louvre and we actually saw that uh, Jennifer and I this past February en route to Cairo we stopped about a day and a half in Paris, went to the Louvre, saw the actual real block itself. And what's interesting is uh, of the blocks they had taken out of there uh, in Egypt, they kind of like put all together in these large, tall, you know, they were trying to build like little walls or they had a big display and, you know, several of them together. This one was all by itself. But yeah, reminiscent of somebody in a Mayan headdress. And so when we talk about, okay, maybe not somewhere else in the cosmos where they accessing other places on earth. And we see some similarities between, uh, you know, belief systems uh, of the cultures, some of the characters that uh, they had within their kind of you know, deities had the same properties, the same characteristics. They just called them different names. Uh, 
Uh, and then of course you see like some of the structures, like the, the various pyramids look very, very similar to each other. So was that a connection? Did that uh, stargate on Elephantine Island that has, you know, guy looking like this, was that a connection there to actually to South America? It's possible. So we had some other comments down here. I want to take those real quick. Um, yeah, Jill, if anyone would go through a Stargate, I wonder how it would affect the body. And that's that's kind of the question. How would that affect someone's body going through the Stargate? You know, dematerializing and materializing elsewhere. Or like I was saying, is it more of like a light? Since you're traveling at such a fast speed, do you become a light being? And, and move across. And you had asked what happened to uh, Ichabod Cranium. He's still around. Um, I had him up around uh, Halloween time. He had been sitting in the corner over there for a while, but I had to kind of clear out the room here. And a lot of times when I'm doing some video work, sometimes I'll use him as the person that I'm talking to, which might seem a little creepy, but yeah. Uh, Crimson Frost, the hour's not long enough. We're going to go a little more than an hour to cover some of these... Uh, other points here, but we're going to have to go through them quick. I don't have any more video clips. That was it. And I skipped the Edfu one, but you can find that in other videos. Although it was a little bit different than uh, the ones I've posted before. Okay. So, uh, all right. Aramumuro. This is in Peru at uh, Lake Titicaca. It's known as the Gate of the Gods. It's about six and a half feet tall. And it's made of a high quartz sandstone. And you can see it's basically cut into the rock uh, like a gate. What's interesting to me is that the, the gate itself, the doorway, is a, a T-shaped structure. And we see that, uh, yes, throughout Mesoamerica, in a lot of uh, locations throughout uh, South America, uh, Central America, Mexico area now, we also see it up at uh, locations like Chaco Canyon. But it's also, to me, an inverted version of the T-shaped pillars that we see at Gobekli Tepe. That's a, that's a connection that I've tried to make that I don't think too many other people have uh, <laughs> really picked up on. But what's interesting about this, I mean, there's a lot of legends and lore. Uh, it's, it is believed that it is a Stargate that still can be activated. Uh, local legends talk of people disappearing through the doorway, as well as uh, seeing strange sights, such as tall men accompanied by glowing balls of light walking through the doorway. Uh, the you know, There's this water stain that, at the back. They believe it's a water stain. Others believe it is, uh, you know, it looks like a person in that this is you know, the energy of people walking uh, through it has created that sort of stain. Then there's also the story of when the Spanish explorers came into South America, tried to uh, convert the locals to Christianity, that they resisted. They were chased across the Andes mountain, uh, mountains. And then when the last emperor uh, came to Amaramuro, stepped into the Stargate with some device that he had in his hand, placed it in the notch that's at the very back. You see that little circle that's all the way in the back. Uh, which basically activated the gate, and he was able to walk right through. So, um, so that's that's the legend. It's up to you to decide whether you believe that or not. It's interesting though, and it does look like a doorway. You could walk right through the thing. 
doorway into the mountain. They call it the gate of the gods at Lake Titicaca. Now, that's in Peru. On the other side of the lake, same lake, Lake Titicaca, on the other side in Bolivia, you have the gate of the sun. And uh, you know, some believe, and of course, this is a, another one that's believed to be a type of stargate, um, you know, long since in uh, disuse, no longer active. Uh, some suggest that the carvings at the top uh, represent a calendar. However, if it is a calendar, then it would only depict 290 days. And then some people uh, believe it may align with some sort of planet or constellation uh, as far as you know, like the, the connection to, you know, for the Stargate to that particular location. Like I said, we're kind of whipping through some of these now. So we won't get too deep into them. Uh, Sri Lanka actually has a, a couple of possibilities here. This is the Ramasu Iyana Stargate in Sri Lanka. Uh, this is actually the park that it's at. Uh, it's the Ramasu Iyana Park. There's an ancient rock carving that's there it's called uh, Sakwalash Chak Chakraya. It's a kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, what's interesting about this uh, there's no historical record for this stone at all, even though the Buddhist monks kept meticulous records. The, and the iconography is incompatible with other carvings during the period in which the gardens were originally built over 2,000 years ago. So this whole complex originally built over 2,000 years ago. This is in it. Um, but it doesn't jive with anything else from that era. So it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense as to what exactly it is. It's a lot of controversy as to uh, as to what it actually means. Some archaeologists uh, tr are trying to say it's an early map of the world. I don't know how in the world that looks like the world. Um, but there are other people that believe that you know this may be a chart that holds a secret code for unlocking some sort of portal, which would be the Stargate. And uh, when you look at the, the symbolism that's here, you see two of the spiral patterns. We've talked a, a lot here in uh, Connecting the Universe about the spiral patterns representing portals. And we see two, a larger one right in the middle and then a smaller one in the upper left-hand corner. And so it makes you wonder, okay, is are, are these two ends of that portal? One, one here and then one somewhere else in the cosmos is the... And this would be my speculation is the one in the middle of the one here because it's it's bigger. And then the one up in the corner is the one that you would be going to, the one that connects to it's smaller because it's further away, you know, a little bit of perspective here. And then you see a lot of these uh, circles with the crosses in the middle. Those could possibly represent stars. Again, it's it's speculative, uh, but that is that is certainly one possibility there. Another one is Sri Lanka that people have started talking about here a little bit more recently as being a uh, possibility. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, Sigeria Fortress, which was uh, built in the 5th century AD on top of a massive column of granite. Ah, we're back to granite. Remember, granite, wonderful conductor of electromagnetic energy because of the high quartz content. But it had already been in use as a mountain monastery for a thousand years up to that point. So this was already a, 
religious area. This was already an area that was deemed to have high energy that was already in use by uh, the culture. And then uh, King Kashiaipa, if I'm saying that properly, uh, you know, ended up building this fortress on top of it. And, and some people believe that uh, this was a, a prime location for a Stargate. And some of the aspects of it um, are, are really bizarre. So uh, this wasn't the best photo of the staircase that they've built to get up this thing. Now, this was not here the staircase uh, in ancient times when they built this fortress. It's, it's you know, very steep, very sheer. Uh, I guess the paws have been down there for a while. But this staircase takes you up into uh, this passageway. It's a little niche on the side of, of, the, uh, of the rock formation here. So where those guys are standing there on the right, that's uh, modern construction to basically keep you from falling off the thing. Uh, and what you find up there are what they call the uh, the cloud maidens or the maidens of the clouds, these frescoes. There's 21 unknown women that are painted here that some believe are consorts of the king, but it seems to be to, to some that this is a really, really, ex really excessive for just some consorts. Uh, to put them in this niche, way up this sheer cliff face, kind of bizarre. Very dangerous location to, one, go up there and paint them, and two, to be able to go observe them. So why would you do that for just, you know, your basic consorts? So others believe these may be depictions of sky goddesses who came down from the heavens with gifts. And so, and again, with the large amounts of quartz uh, within the giant outcropping of granite, this would certainly be an idea, uh, ideal location for stargates um, and you know were these quote-unquote sky goddesses or maidens or what have you were they uh people that came through that gate to our world we don't have time to answer that right now <laughs> uh so and i've talked before of course about uh in the american southwest mentioned it a little while ago uh chaco canyon this is uh, aerial shot of pueblo benito with all the kivas this is a uh, ground shot. I, I love this location. I took Jen there uh, when we were coming back from one of her conferences uh, this past April. And of course, you have these spiral patterns that are there in the uh, stories that emanate out of this area. Uh, is that the uh, star people use the portals to come down to Earth and impart knowledge upon the people. So, you know, is this a symbol of some sort of stargate that these star people use to come here. And we see a lot of these spiral patterns there around the American Southwest. Uh, we see uh, these are McConkie Ranch. And then, of course, uh, over there at uh, McConkie Ranch is right down the road, really, from Skinwalker Ranch. And then you have the uh, stone circle on top of the mesa with symbols of portals up there. You know, were they using that to... Uh, you know, to move in and about from one location to another. And I've, we've talked before many times uh, in Connecting the Universe about the significance of that spiral pattern, which of course would lead us down a whole nother rabbit hole that we're not going to get into tonight. So, all right. I know most of this was on Egypt. I said, oh, Egypt and the world. Well, Egypt and uh, a little bit more of the world. 
<laughs> um, all right. So that is going to wrap this up. I do want to uh, want to encourage those that are members of the Connected Universe Portal, of course, hang on because we do have uh, more in the after show. I know we've already extended this out a little bit. We're going to go a little bit more uh, for those that are members of the Connected Universe Portal. ConnectedUniversePortal.com for those who are not uh, currently subscribers there. For everyone else, I do wish you a, a wonderful evening. We have one more for the year. This is our second to last episode of the year. Next week, we're doing a, we're coming back a little bit early uh, with Edge of the Rabbit Hole. Uh, last week, we had uh, Brian Cano for Edge of the Rabbit Hole on Connecting the Universe. Next week, it's just going to be Victoria and I uh, to wrap up the year, but Victoria does a lot with astrology, so we're going to cover astrology uh, next week, see if she'll give us some uh, ideas of what's going to happen in 2024. She's been pretty spot on uh, before in the past when like, uh, when, when the market tanked a couple years ago. Uh, she had told me months before that, you know, that you, know, you want to get out, whatever the date that she had picked. Um, you know, she was like, you need to get out this date. And she was only like a few days off, uh, with that particular date. You want to get out, uh, by then. And you know, all of a sudden, poof, yeah. And she had, she had called that months beforehand. So we're going to get into, uh, to that next week. And then we will be done for the year. We'll come back at the beginning of January. So, all right, everyone have a wonderful evening. Those from, uh, those members of the Connecting Universe portal, hang on. Till next time, time really exists. <laughs>